This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Hey, welcome to This Life, Bob. We now have our... Go ahead. I don't have my headphones Say on. Hi. Put them on, buddy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we have our friend Stephanie Wilder-Taylor in here today. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Thanks for having and me. And you were just starting to tell Bob something. Yeah, I interrupted I w- you. I was trying not to be a fangirl. But yes, I saw your movie, and it was really... Uh, loved it. And then I, I immediately we got the soundtrack and uh, got the t-shirt. Oh, And I wear the t-shirt so to the gym it's a lot Bob, Bob and, and the to monster. school. And the principal of my kid's elementary school was like, what's that t-shirt I see you wearing all the time? And Bob and the monster. That. Oh Go check gosh. that out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Elvis needs to transfer to that school. Maybe we should get the woman in here who... Kirta, did, yeah. yeah who she did, did a Devo documentary too that just came out last year. She's a very good documentarian. I mean, yeah, she was, is. She, well, she, did you ever see the thing, We Live in Public? You no. ever seen that? What is that it? she no. did about the guy who was obsessed? The first internet guy who created that hotel in New York that was all filmed in the er, mid-90s. No idea. It's called We Live in Public. You gotta see it. That's wow. another thing. She produced that movie. But the... Uh, I've never heard of that. The, the, the fact that she was able to dig out old footage of us on the radio from the early mid-80s or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And, and I literally, he's there loaded on God knows what. And I'm like, I've got to hold on to my seat. Like, oh, crap, what are we going to do with this guy? And, and I was not that sophisticated about drug treatment then. I couldn't have really helped you. I was sort of familiar with, but I wasn't deeply well, in, in the I had gone to the best. I had gone to Hazelden. I should be well by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, wouldn't have, I would not have known really to question that or understand why you weren't well but but uh in this thing bob gets in this little scene that they act out with claymation bob becomes very earnest with one of the callers and he's literally i say bob you make a great therapist you'd be a great treatment professional someday if you just get your shit together right and uh how she found that it's so crazy it is really something well there's a lot of people are just you know the 80s and the music scene in LA and New York was their college. It was their that thing that you always refer back to and go, that was so great. Where in Los Angeles, you could go out, because I lived here too, and you could go out any night and see some of the greatest bands that became Hall of, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member bands that would play at a little bar of 100 people, Guns N' Roses and Jane's Addiction, the Chili Peppers and Fishbone and Dream Syndicate and Los Lobos and Blasters. Which, which bar are you thinking X. of? All the different ones, Rogies on Hollywood Boulevard. The oh Roxy. yeah, I used to go see X. Yeah, X. all the time. I moved here in right after high school in 1984. From where? Oh, there you go. Well, I I sort of was raised till, here till I was 12, but then I moved around a little bit with my family, and then 
rather than go to college, I just wanted to get away from them and the East Coast. <laughs> so at 18, with my friend who was 17, she dropped out of high school and we moved here. Uh, and um, yeah, had an apartment right off of Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood and uh, El Cerrito Place. Oh my God. Which is where the Stephen J. Canal building is. And we used to walk down to like the Seven Seas. Yeah, Seven Seas. I would DJ at Seven Seas. You did? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Nash, baby. So funny. The, yeah, go out to bars every single night, Club Lingerie and all those. Lingerie, uh, yeah. All, all the bars and. God, I remember Club Lingerie. I haven't thought of it. That was on Santa Monica, was it? Or yeah. Or, yeah. Sunset, 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 Sunset yeah. and Gower. Yeah. And, and so it was just such a magical time that people really, when they got on word on the internet that they were making this movie about Thelonious Monster, people really reached out. Oh. Somebody had to obviously tape the radio shows. Tape. Remember, you got to understand this. In the 80s, people used to tape your radio show yeah. and then listen to it yeah. over and over again yeah. Yeah. on a cassette. Right. And that's, that way, what, right. that's what that radio show is. Somebody had taped it on a cassette. Wow. So crazy. Can you imagine cra- when something yeah. mattered so much instead of now when everything's instant? I mean, I get lost in a YouTube, you know, rabbit's hole all the time. I like go look at old bands and then it leads to the another band. And then as you've been on YouTube for two hours watching things, you know, that you used to have to seek out and have community about and you couldn't get the footage and but you could remember what it was like. It was share it with other people, share with other people. Remember when you used to have to watch a movie and sit through all the way through the credits to see the music credits. If you liked a song in a movie, sometimes you could never figure out what it was. Yeah. The, well, I went to the Meridian Quad Theater and we used to not just used to go to movies and see two movies. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Two. Oh, yeah. And then. But then you, we t- were, when we were 13, 14, we'd jump and see like three in a right. day. We were talking about, about uh, parenting. Par- parents would never leave. The, we would just leave, be left off at the theater. Yeah. See in oh, yeah. five hours, six hours, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No problem. No problem. <laughs> My mommy would drop me off with my younger sister and brother, and they were much younger than me. And yeah, just leave us for the whole afternoon watching kids' movies. It's awesome. So, Stephanie, talk about your books and stuff. Talk about your stuff. Uh, I've written blogger, mom. Yeah, written five books. Wow. Uh, First one was called "Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay." There you go. That was before I quit drinking, so there was a lot of uh, glorifying alcoholism. Oh wow! I didn't call it that. Other people did. But uh, yeah, just talking about the whole the the mom culture of uh, well, I wasn't talking about the mom culture of drinking. I was just saying that drinking is a fun thing to do as a new mom. <laughs> and you have a podcast with Lynette. I do a podcast for crying out loud with Lynette uh, Adams' Lynette wife, Lynette. Yeah, and uh, yeah, hosted a, hosted my own show, Parental Discretion, for a couple seasons. Available on. Somewhere. So it's perfect that you're here. I don't know if you know, but I have a five-year-old son. He's going through some troubles, and and, the L, and it, I think L.A. is so unique in that there's a child psychologist on every block. What's, you know what I mean? What's going on? He's just he's in a uh, a pre-K and K combo class, mm-hmm. which is difficult. He came from one of the most loving, nurturing preschools called the Neighborhood School in the right? Valley. Yeah. Just, you know, three right. three teachers to 11 kids and everybody knows everybody and it's mm-hmm. just like a family to a public school, right? It's a good public school, but it's a public school and it's like, it's like, you know, kind of crazy looking how at many, a playground of a school. How many uh, kids are in his class? 23 with a main teacher and his teacher's aide. Tell her what happened. 
And so he's been gravitating towards the older kids and at recess he wants to hang out even with the first graders who the kindergartners know and they're kind of shunning him so he's lashing out back at them and getting into physical altercations and and made some threats. And so... He's five? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of threats? That he was going to get a knife and bring it to school and hurt one of the kids. And And so... They so, called you in. Oh, they've been calling us in since the beginning. Uh-huh. Right? And so now he's in play groups that are supervised by psychologists out in Westwood every Thursday night, and he's got his own psychologist and an MFT. Who's what are they telling up you? With a, same stuff that they tell everybody, you know what I mean? The, the, you know, child needs to know that they're loved and has boundaries and consequence and da da da. It's the same stuff we tell people in drug in treatment. <laughs> how was his? How was it in preschool? Did you notice any? Was anything off in preschool? In the beginning, and then he adjusted into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, no, so nothing like you didn't see any of that after he had adjusted into preschool. No. Nothing. No, it's kind of an interesting. And, piece yeah. of this it just occurs to me not as it pertains to your son but it, the, the conversation generally about a kid that becomes aggressive is there's a whole contingent in our country that would go well that kid needs to have his ass whooped he needs he's, he needs to be punished like you know really shown who's in charge here there's a, you no but i can tell you shocked. as the parent you feel like your child is evil bad that's the perception that's how i feel at the school uh, it's a hippies, you know, it's a hippie yuppie school. I feel like our child is being marked as bad or wrong or evil. And and it and it's adults doing this to a five-year-old kid. We're trying our hardest to get him the help that he needs and we'll learn how to regulate or learn how to, or we'll move him to a better school. That's I mean, lo- uh, my kid's at a charter school and I know that... Um I was going to say my youngest, but it's, I have twins, they're eight. So one of the twins had a lot of stuff going on when she was a baby. And medically. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You might remember this. She had something called IUGR. She was born really small. She was only two pounds. Intrauterine growth retardation. Growth Mm. restriction. It's called now. It's BPC. Isn't that that ridiculous? (laughs) So uh, anyway, long story short, she had a lot of behavioral stuff at the Mm -hmm. early on, and I had to call it. But I had um, services for her through the regional center, so she had lots of different therapy. So when I started seeing certain behaviors, she was biting her sister, Mm -hmm. and not just normal like somebody tries to take a toy and biting, like crossing the room, going over to her, biting her, and then walking away and like. (laughs) <laughs> like who who me you know and i was like i just saw you then i and uh, i had to call in a behavioralist who had to show give me some strategies and um anyway i was concerned that th- i would still see that behavior because it's like an impulse control it's a how long ago was that well she's eight now and okay. that was when she was only probably two okay and? you know when she started preschool uh she was having a little like a little her first instinct was to hit And so she wasn't really great at making friends and there were some social issues. And um, but similar to what you're saying, she kind of worked through that and then she was fine by the end of that. And now she's fine, although I'm noticing a little bit of learning stuff that I'm taking a look at and we're going to have a meeting about that. But I was going to say that there are certain kids in this charter school environment that sound like your son 
And the way that they deal with it is a little bit, I mean, yeah, they do bring the parents in and they talk to them, but they're, they're very big on like, we're not labeling anybody because it's not, you know, we don't want this that kid to be the well, kid that hits. I don't know. I don't know how you felt, but this isn't coming from the school. The school's been very helpful and pointed us in the right direction and helped us and, and has accommodated this kind of what you'd call treatment plan to right. help him. It's the other parents. It's the other parents emailing in swarms and, right, and right, talking right. about my ex-wife and stuff like that. It's it's and everybody's losing sight of here's some kids that feel threatened by my kid and here's my kid threatening those kids. So I want to work as a community and fix this and make it right. Yeah, I mean and he's five. Instead, he's... instead, it's very much like a a parent thing almost. And so that's one well, thing. Well, you know, parents on. are crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, well, you've experienced these days, that. especially these yeah. days, parents are out of their minds and they are. It's like they're the ones in school. It's like they're being threatened. Narcissistic I mean, people, yeah, that's the, yes, self. Yes, right. That's yeah. awful. Narcissistic. It's so much. bad for the kids. It's so bad. So I think you have to either maybe maybe look at changing schools for yeah, next yeah, year. Get a fresh start, get you know, this year, but at, here's the thing that the, yeah. the MFT recommended. My son loves rules. Mm-hmm. He's actually the enforcer of rules that kids don't abide by rules. Right. And then he's always constantly looking for an adult to help him enforce the rules. Right. Right. So, and he loves, um, you know, reward. So she came up with this thing that when he's having one of those situations where he feels out of control, or he's going to use his hands or body or, or do something that if he goes and talks to an adult and asks for help and say that he's have struggling and that he feels like he wants to hit somebody, he gets a star. And if he gets three stars, he gets screen time at night at home. Right. IPad, right, right. 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 He loves that. The, so it's working. Yeah, it's working. The corrective action is working. But you're living on on eggshells. Like another thing happened after right. what's happened. And right. You know, there was another one. No, there was no, an episode early incident. on yeah. where he pushed a kid down, and then and then this newest episode. And, and what is your? I, I don't think we I can. It's almost impossible for us to rely enough on mother's instincts. So I'm wondering what your what his mom thinks about it. You know, she, she feels the same way I do. This transition that he doesn't transition well, and it's our fault that we thought it would be better for him to get into public school and really rabble around and get around. But he wasn't kids. on the, he wasn't on the young side, right? He's, he's the pro- young, appropriate he's young. age for kinder. No, he's young. He turned five in October. Okay. So, and the cl- class has six year olds in it. Yeah. Cause my kids uh, are November birthdays, all three of them. And they did start late. So they were going on six when they started kindergarten. I think it we're going to repeat kindergarten. Repeat kindergarten. Absolutely. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Because I think kids, I, I think it's more the norm these days. That's more the aberration to, to start that. That's young. And then, well, he's here's de- the especially thing. for boys. Here's my theory. He's at a disadvantage socially. You can't underappreciate what you do for a living. I deal with 18 to 34 year olds who are dying of drug addiction. So a lot of times my fear is I don't want him being 18 his entire year of high school. For some reason that, that do you know about this? No. At 18, you're an adult. You don't have to go to high school. Well, you can you can write your own excuses from class. And if I know anything about myself, my mother and my genetics 
18 in the senior year of high school is not the best for yeah, but, a, for, but for you a forest. What? Do you understand what I'm saying, Drew? But, you're, but that's, <laughs> that thinking is a, a little bit off because you're, first of all, you're way in the future now. And yeah. second of all, if he doesn't want to go to school, if he's 17, he's not going to go to school. Like there's not, you're not going to go like, you're not 18, you have to go to school. So I think if all his friends, he's going to be coming up with a group of friends, hopefully he's going to be with his peer group. If they're Mm -hmm. all going to school, he's going to go to school. He's not going to be like, I don't have to, I'm 18. I would do what's right for him now. If you know, the the male brain matures so late, it really, I mean, so many things I look at that I couldn't handle were merely with things I handled well two years later. It's just the male brain. Yeah. All the boys at my kid's school are insane. (laughs) <laughs> they are they are it's all the boys are the ones that have the difficult the the behavior problems and the they're hyper and crazy and hitting or do those things it's all the girls are like what is happening over there it's going to be throughout we're all so mature that, that's throughout your children's life that's going to be the case yeah the, uh, it later becomes war and other things that we do yeah that women go what the hell <laughs> It's true, though, but it's been a trying few months, that's for sure. Yes. Because yeah. you're, you're thinking, oh, you're going to this idealized world, and it's going to be so great, and then there's just, wow. You Maybe you ought to go backwards, go back to the school. That's what, that's what I wanted to do, and now everybody's recommending that he's been in this school for three months, and then we rip him out, and then he's taught failure, and da-da-da-da-da. Uh, you can get any kind of advice in the world in this town. What does he want to do? He wants the older boys to like him. I had a really great talk with him when we were by ourselves a couple of weeks ago. He goes, why don't they like me? And I said, Elvis, you're like so much younger than them. You'll know when you're older. You don't want to hang out with, and I said to Baby Ever, who's two and a half, who's like he grew up with. He, you know, he doesn't want to, he gets, you know, not wanting to play with a two and a half year old. Right. And so he kind of gets it and kind of doesn't. He just wants to be liked by these older kids, by these cooler kids. We were talking an episode about... How about that? At five, you're worried about the cooler kids. Yeah, I know. Oh! Well, <laughs> we were talking about bullying on a previous episode. That must be something you guys deal with all the time. No, crying, but... I'm crying out loud, I imagine. That that's uh, sort of a topic. Well, I, I had just talked to uh, Lynette last week about the fact that my older daughter, who's just turned 11, yeah. she's so young. Like, she's just... She's just the greatest kid. She's, you know, the floor model, right? That one. Um, then the twins came along and like wrecked all that. But LB, my oldest one, is so sweet. And she's very innocent and um, happy kid, loves everybody. And she's been in this basketball group. And a couple of these, so there's a whole mixture of ages in this basketball group. And she's one of the younger ones. And one of these older girls said to her out of nowhere, uh, you're gross. And... Because apparently, because she wasn't wearing a bra, which she doesn't have anything to put in a bra. We have not bought her a bra. And she said, what? Why? And the girl said, you're not wearing a bra. You're And not not that's gross. You're gross. Mm-hmm. And she'd never experienced that before. And then she was, she wasn't crying about it, but she was upset and she felt, this you know, is it's not, just that's not bullying. the beginning. Oh, I know, but I'm, I'm saying it was very it jarring. It was jarring to me that like, oh, this is what... 12. Because we go to a very sweet 12, school. Tw- so you look around a, a seventh grade class and some of the kids are young women and some of them are little children. So there's the onset of puberty issues that start oh, becoming I know. crazy. Here's one. What, what do you think, just real quick before I forget. So I was told by an actual therapist that I respect, one of the four that we're dealing with, that really the first five years are just about learning socialization. Oh, my God, no. Jesus Christ. 
K for, through K first five years. K well, first five, five years of school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really not about math and English. Yeah, and I thought you meant the developmental process no, no. of the first five it's years. It's just about learning how to tolerate and understand and be with and adjust to change. Not these days. You're no. talking about like first, like grades? K through five, yeah. Yeah, no. But there's it's about a lot socialization. Of, there's a lot of learning going on. Yeah, I, reading, I do, reading becomes a big Reading thing. is huge. Big thing. Reading. Uh, Nobody reads. Oh. Yeah, they do No, now. they don't. Yes. I live in America. No, they don't. Well, maybe they don't. <laughs> but you know what? We're trying Adults to change don't. all that. Yeah. We're really trying to change all that. But the question is, why are more and more kids becoming addicted and killing themselves if we're changing everything? Speaking of your, your uh, just to make a, a sidebar about your reading comment, do you know what the number one, ca- I think I mentioned this to you the other day, the number one category of books sold in America last year? By far. Drawing. Coloring books. Coloring books. Killed everything else. So nobody reads. I re- I read. I went I to read. Catholic school. You had to read. So what's, I read what's causing, and I'm an addict. So what's causing the, uh, the the deaths and the horrible addiction we're seeing? That was the question? An inability to, to understand that the world is not wonderful and pretty all the time. And the world is, you have to prepare for this world that is very harsh and not a lot of opportunity. And, and as narcissistic parents we want to protect our children from that truth we don't let them fail our dads did not care about us knowing that truth he and i's dads (laughs) here's this thing that um drew we talked we've talked about before i feel like when when lb was told she was gross of course i found it to be a little triggering because i was bullied i had a terrible time in junior high. They don't even mm-hmm. call it junior high anymore. They everybody hated it so much. I think they changed the name yeah. of it so that we wouldn't all feel Six, bad. Seventh and eighth. Junior high was the worst two years. It was seventh and eighth when I was in mm-hmm. when I was there, and it was I was bullied every day, like the real kind of bullying, not what we call bullying now, but like where people would chase me down the hall and say they're going to kick my ass and kick in my locker and tell me I'm disgusting and you know not pulling knives on me. I but, mean, but she it was, was triggered the worst. By him. Yeah. And I feel like. There is definitely a part of me as a mom with the with these three kids that I want. Of course, that. I don't want them to go through that. I know I can't completely protect them, but you're going to be damn sure that I'm going to find a school that has the best possibility of them not like I'm not going to throw them to the wolves like my parents threw me to the wolves. No, it's it's got to be something between what our parents did and what we've been doing because what we've been doing doesn't work for preparing people for adulthood. It doesn't. I deal with them every day. And so so somehow how we introduce the unfairness of life, right? For instance, you I'm sure you're familiar with everybody gets a trophy, right? My my older son, I have a twenty eight year old. He's fifteen, doesn't care about basketball, wanted to play basketball because I love basketball and his best friend loved basketball and his best friend played basketball every day, three hours a day. So I and one of my oldest friends, a guy in my band, have sons the same age, this boy. We coached the team. They played. My son was horrible. He doesn't care about basketball. He just wanted to be on the team. So we'd put him in to foul the best player on the other team. Mm-hmm. At the award ceremony dinner at Shakey's, around uh, uh, whatever it was, round pizza, whatever it's called. What's the Round table? Round table pizza uh-huh. in Silver Lake. Everybody gets the same trophy and we're driving right. home and my son's looking at his trophy and he goes, dad, I don't even care about basketball and I don't practice and Bo practices all the time and he loves basketball and he's our best player and he's one of the best players in the whole league and I get the same trophy as him. That's fucked up. 
Hey, but you should commend him for seeing the unfairness of that. Yeah. yeah. But but he could see what we as parents couldn't see. I yeah. think that I agree with you, although then there's these people that want to take it away from even the younger kids. I think What you is know, that? Oh, who wants to know about that? Take what away? Take the take the Awards. everybody gets a trophy away from the younger. I think you know what? Nobody if gets a gonna, trophy is next. Participation. Communism, Drew. Communism. <laughs> Whatever happens, just <laughs> if little, most valuable, most improved, best. Fill yeah, in the well, black okay, so thing. so that's how we Sportsman. do it. That's how we do it at yeah. our little park league, right? The kids play basketball. The coach, t- they all get a trophy, and the tro- the coach says something about the player and what they did, and you're the most improved, uh. and you're the this. When they're little kids, when they're eight and up, I I can understand they don't need a trophy. But when they're okay. little kids, why can't they have a why can't they have a trophy? Because that's where it really gets in their heads you don't want to see you're 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 making the mistake that most parents make which is i can't stand to see my kid disappointed that's you his kid needed to see the kid that he admired elevated that feels good when somebody but he and was older say, at that time yes, right he, he was 15. older but, but, I think I, that's but different. let me tell you let me tell you the other inter- interesting thing my son is a genius musician and the other boy was not but wanted to play music and it was very obvious then who can play and who can't. Right. And my son tried to help him become better, give him tips or whatever. That's how we have a society that works. When somebody has strengths, you learn from them. You don't act like everybody's equal and everybody has yeah. the right. same I agree. Strength. I agree with you. We have to decide when we're going to introduce that to our children. Listen, but they see, I think they get it in other ways. Like, for instance, all my kids are into drama, too. They all do plays. And... You can't, everybody can't be the lead. You know, you can't have like, can't do the Wizard of Oz and have 12 Dorothys, right? You got right. it. People have to get other roles and they audition them. That's and good. guess what? My daughter learned early on. She did her little audition and she got, did not get, even though she'd been with this one company for a few years, she didn't get the lead she role. Got this, she got a role uh, that she didn't want. And you know what? There was that little part of me that the the right. bad part that That's wanted right. to call him up and go, how come, uh, you know, and, uh, and I was like, of course I didn't do that. I was like, Elby, sometimes you get the lead role yeah. and most of the time you don't. That's right. Because, and she adjusted and she did a great, she See? acted the shit out of that That's role. That's good. I like and, that. Uh, How old was she? And it was great. I don't know. Eight? See, I, I think nine. kids are very, they're very savvy. I mean, they, they, they know when they're being bullshitted. Yeah. And it does not elevate their self-esteem to give them a trophy. It. It, it give them a participation. Isn't it certificate. wrong if it was to if it elevated their self esteem? It's wrong to do that because well, life's going to the smack way, them in the way face. Way too much on the self esteem thing. By the way, I think having yeah low- all the kids I deal with that are nineteen twenty two that live with me, the recovering addicts that just got a treatment, I have a sober living. They have far too much self esteem for what what low functioning people they I agree are. with you but that's the, but that, I, I think I we're worried about the wrong listen thing. I have low self esteem and it helps me <laughs> it keeps me driving <laughs> me and moving and pushing and I have terrible self esteem so now, why did that we was, lowest I think mine's even lower it was, no I think no mine is look look so look, why I, did we I have the lowest yours. why did we <laughs> so, become a self esteem motivated society be, because it's awful and painful to have low self esteem and we wanted to not have our kids go through that but it has a purpose, but low self esteem keeps you driving, keeps you moving, keeps you trying Let's to be give better. Our two narratives. It also, it also. I think. Can I? I have a theory. Yeah. Which I'm sure you've heard before, but I think a lot of us had these childhoods, right, from maybe the 70s. I don't. Not everybody's my age, but a lot of us older parents these days, 
you know, in the seventies, we were. I heard you talking about this on a previous episode. But latchkey kids, you yeah. know, yeah. I was, I was yeah. uh, the opposite. You know, uh, my mom was very critical. I was left alone from a young age. I was taking care of myself and letting myself. There's in the where, house there's where the, the bullying came in, though. That's where the kids saw the vulnerability in you, and that's they went after. Right, you were in pain right. all the time. Have, so nobody so, had your back. I think and they there's, knew it. I think there's a lot of us, right, that went on, had some trauma yep. as kids, yep. became parents, and said, "I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do things differently." Yep. And then we went overboard Absolutely. and tried That's to save them That's from what, any kind of pain. And 100%. then we have to pull ourselves back because we're we so to, much better than our parents. Right. We are such better parents. So sometimes Absolutely. I have to consciously allow my kids to feel pain oh, and I course. have to absolutely stop myself and it, it's my instinct is to fix it and I have to go that would not be helpful and not just the pain, allow them to but, feel sad but feel pain, boredom disappointment boredom yeah, yeah. and to whatever negative affect they have to kind of deal with or amuse themselves or find something to do or all that stuff right that's good right that's good for them to feel that stuff and to not rescue so, so what you know I do that is, is, is me, I Mr. try rescue. to coach uh, not to rescue. <laughs> yeah. as a, as I know a, I'm saying yeah. I'm Mr. Rescue. It's so but, hard for me. But what I'm doing now is mostly coaching parents. They just need support. Like he's 22. He can, he crashed a car. He can call an insurance company all on his own. He has a phone. He can call a drug dealer. I'm sure he can call an insurance company. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need that support as a parent who's constantly been trying to shield life or shield consequence or shield right. bad things right. from your child. And I'm telling you, it's just my corner of the block. The recovery industry exploits that. Sure. That if you pay us enough money, we're going to fix your kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's out. hard. I'm sure it's hard for parents, especially if they're not addicts themselves, but to I, I love not the fact be codependent, to well, not enable them. Of course to, they're codependent. They, they think they're going to fix it, and they don't realize they're not, and they don't realize they're harming. But the, I love most, the-, the most often narrative I hear is, my dad was an alcoholic, I got into drugs, but I got out of it, and now this. my third, The third generation is just, what in the fuck is wrong with him? Why can't he stop? He, you know what I mean? He's just like my father. That kind of narrative from boys, uh, grandfather to father to wow. son. And you, and that kind of pulled yourself up and stopped taking drugs. Yeah. That's what this generation is saying about their 20 somethings. They should just stop. Yeah. They should. Well, I, I was in, I smoke weed in college. I do And I try to say, well, then you either don't have the gene or you're a workaholic yeah. and it's to, to, to be continued. Yeah. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right. That's one of the things I think happens. People go to college, they want to succeed coming out of those trauma, alcoholic households. They can't indulge their drugs and alcohol because they need to succeed and make millions of dollars. When they do, all hell's going to break loose. When they retire. They'll start using. Yeah. Yeah, could be. But now we're saying that, uh, okay, so if if you have trauma... As a kid, maybe yeah. you end up becoming an addict. Right. But then if you don't have any trauma, because if we're over parenting and making and making sure they feel no pain, they're gonna become addicts. But like, life what? will traumatize them. <laughs> people though. aren't just maybe people some people are gonna become addicts and some people are just not. I realize yes, this. You said that's something true. that's interesting. I deal with parents all the time. Only one thing. Uh, uh, well, the thing about your daughter is precious right. in this. My son is precious and special to me. I don't know that he's special and precious to everybody. There's something about us when we say special and we want that to be factual, that everyone understand that. 
people find That's him irritating and like uh, kind of uh, too much and, yeah. and, and don't like him the way I like him or see him the way I see him. And we as parents, I think, need to understand that we see our children a certain way because they're our children. No, it's always other, important to, to ask about other people's perceptions and things too because yeah. it, it informs you. You just can't see certain You know stuff. what? I'll, every time I've asked some peer friend what they think of Elvis, they say, you spoil him. Oh, interesting. So I've stopped that. Interesting. That's and, interesting. And you know what? I thought it would create this terrible monster. It doesn't. He likes, all he really needs is a piece of paper and a crayon. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. somehow I thought, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, and mm. we got that. But, but Stephanie, you mentioned you know some just become addicts without trauma, and that's certainly true. But the, the effects of trauma across generations is protean. It has many different uh, sort of tentacles attached to it. And so any reaction to the trauma is transmission of the trauma. So by compensating for the trauma to prevent right. trauma right. Is, is communicating trauma. Right. It's, it's doing the opposite of what the kid needs. The kid needs the middle. Right. So we, we were traumatized. Well, that's never going to happen. So we overindulge. We enmesh. We do all the crazy shit that I'm sure those parents that you're talking about, Bob. And that's not what they need. They, right. They, How they, much of a percentage of young people do you think are, are struggling with the idea of suicide? Is there percentage? any percentage? Con- that number's out there, I'm sure. It's way bigger than it was when I was a teenager. Yeah, I think it's pretty. Right. Uh, yeah. So at a certain point, a lot of the kids threaten suicide, and that just frightens the parents so much. What if you? In fact, kid I think himself. I just saw some data yesterday. That teen suicide was up still. But I think the threats are through the roof. Maybe. Who does it? I think it's become common for as a way of explaining a feeling state of hopelessness frustration inability to understand the world does not well, care about me and also there's a lot of copycat because you can see it on the internet you hear kids talking about it that, that stuff suicide in, in, that's infectious yeah yeah and so somehow you have to be able to live with that yeah like you're you know i have a lot of a lot of kids most of the kids i'm dealing with have told their parents at one time or another i'll just go kill myself well addicts you, say that shit all yeah. the time though well, there's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just. I said that to my mom. I was gonna say. <laughs> Did you really? Well, but I will tell you that I was really, really depressed. I w- I hadn't ever said it before. I had when I was 18. My best best friend got hit by a car died? and died. Oh, yeah. I had just moved to LA. I'd been here six weeks. I was living in that apartment on El Cerrito. I was doing phone sales. I I'd had a job for literally six weeks. How old were you? I was 18. My friend, Wait, you moved out here by yourself? Yeah, with another friend. But my best friend was back home. We were going to go to UMass together, and I decided not to go. We were going to go be roommates. Amherst? Yeah. I, did, I, did I know that? I didn't go. Yeah, but still, where, where were you living? Uh, Springfield. Do I know that? No, I don't think so. Why? Because I went you to Amherst know? College. I mean, I oh, lived you did? There. I lived in, and my son went to Amherst College. I mean, we, oh. we spent a lot of time in the Pioneer Valley. Oh. A lot of time. Basketball How, how, how weird is that? Yeah, the Basketball yeah. Hall of Fame was right there. Now, I went to the old Basketball Hall of Fame. Now it's a pretty fancy thing. I'm sure it, you remember. I, I, and the Heroin Highway goes through there now. Yeah. Really? Springfield's yeah, looking a little of, better these days, by the way. It was a shithole. It was horrible. I lived there. Yeah. 1984. Yeah. 1982 to 84. Yeah, it was not, But anyway, I'm sorry. Nice. So you, you and I were going to go to UMass. Yeah, so I... I I decided not to go. I moved to L.A. on my own with, with just a friend. And uh, I was working at this phone sales job. And I got the call. My friend died. Call, I, I called home. I didn't have any money. I moved. My my mom gave me a couple hundred dollars. And I had worked at a bunch of restaurants and then uh, quit them like in a day or two trying mm-hmm. to get some cash. 
And then I had like $900 to my name when I moved to LA. I had no money. I had to go home for this funeral. Uh, my mom said, I'll, I will. First, she said no. And uh, I kind of lost my mind a little bit. And oh. anyway, she ended up giving me tickets, but she said they're not going to be round. I mean, they're going to be round trip. Like you, she, we were in, things were not good between me and my uh, parents. But anyway, came back. I went to this home, flew home at 18, went to this funeral. I mean, just the saddest thing you've ever, this was my best friend. Like we used to sleep over at each other's house all the time. It was traumatic that I'd even moved away from her. And I just hit a really, really low point. And I remember. Were you drinking then? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I was also bulimic Uh. at the time. Uh, And I, I remember talking to my mom. I felt like I couldn't work. I felt non-functional. Depressed, yeah. I was depressed, and I told my mom, "I, I've just been thinking about suicide. I just don't know what to do. I'm, I'm out of ideas." Stop, yeah. yeah. And she said, "Well, I don't know. Oh, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, go to church. Go to I don't know. Go to do church. something. It's brutal." I remember thinking, like, that's it. I got. Like I got no, like I, I'm, I got to figure this. Every, that, I'm on my own. Did, I'm but what did you do? You got own. pissed and you came back to L.A. Well, I was I had already come back oh, okay. to L.A. She was I was living back in L.A., but just like sort of non living. How'd you pull yeah. out of that? You Anger. know, here's the thing. I've always been an optimist. I had a pretty hard time of it growing up, but I always had this sense that like things are going to get. I don't know. I just had this little there was a little piece of me that was like. I'm going to figure this out. It's going to get better. Well, that That is a piece, by the way, that's also missing. We have not talked about this, Bob, but that's missing in your population too. And the fact is that moods do get better. You know, I hate moods to say it. You know what I hate to say? Uh. Even the most apathetic kids are kind of excited about Bernie Sanders. I hate to tell you. <laughs> kids who've never cared about politics at all, I go in the living room and they're watching him. And something he's saying, not the Trump hatred thing, something that Bernie Sanders is saying rings with these kids. I think it's the uh, he's uh, he speaks with authority. He's he's he reminds me of uh, like every, a grandpa, every good like grandpa, like, 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 a, like a kind a, grandpa, like uncle or every good professor I've had. They just he, just he just it's Socratic. He just going, how come it's not like this? Why is it like that? What are we gonna do about that? That, I, I really <laughs> admire that about him. But when you he, see three 20-year-old drug addicts watching Bernie Sanders talk, and you're like, wow, maybe there is hope. Just that he, they're listening, not, not so sure that Sanders his agenda... Is, is, is hope I knew us. you were going to do that, you old Reagan Democrat. So, so, but I'm an independent not, now, just so you but know. But not that he has the solutions, but that they're wanting a solution. Because I didn't think they even cared. Well, may, maybe there's time for an opportunity. Ugh. It, it maybe they're fertile soil for a movement, and maybe that movement. I hope that movement is good. You know what I mean? That's how shit happens. In well, they all at a basic core level believe everything is corrupt. Where'd they get that message? Because it is. <laughs> they're cynical. They're politics, cynical, yeah. uh, business. The whole decks are stacked against well, them. They, what does that mean? that we as baby boomers have let things happen that we we all know that this government is bought and sold by petroleum and big pharmacy if you don't drew come on bought and sold by the the, the when the Koch brothers spend 500 million dollars and obama gets a billion dollars to become president of the united states you well, don't think that he, somehow 
if that's what if that's what they intend, he fucked them over pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's because he's doing the bidding of who gave him the billion dollars. You don't no, think that? I, no. I the said insurance the co- industry. I said Obama fucked over the Koch brothers pretty good. Oh, over. I know, but he didn't fuck under the insurance industry, did he? He made them trillions of dollars with yeah. his bullshit Obamacare. I paid $1,360 a month. I heard you talking about this on another podcast yeah. about giving up. I can't give up insurance because I have three kids. Yeah. I pay $1,360 a month. Is it and as I good as it I was make too before? much money no, to get any worse. break in my premium. Yeah. But I mean, that's because an Stephanie, insane amount of money. I could have a kid in private school this for is that ins- money. This is what bothers me. And this but, is not for the best insurance. Hang on this a second. Is, yeah. This is what bothers me. I'm going to say something that I hear from the kids that you're now sort of admiring them, admire Bernie. Just that they care. No, no, you don't no, see no, them no. care here's about the, a lot. Here's what they say to me. Here's what they say to me. Well, Stephanie, you need to pay your fair share. You just need to pay your fair share. You're not paying your fair share. I, I keep thinking, what what is the fair share? How yeah, mu- what is my fair how, share? How, how, I'm how paying much, it. How much of everything? I'm paying 404 just for myself. But but the fair share, you pay 60% of income tax. You pay crazy amounts for insurance. And what? Right. What what is your fair share? I'm confused by this. Well, what Bernie Sanders is saying is, yeah, you guys are getting fucked. If you make half a million dollars in this country, you're getting fucked. It's the people that are making a hundred million dollars a month, the corporations that don't pay any taxes. Right. That's what we need to change. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they that, they want it to change. Corporations ask for it to change, and yet they never change it. It's weird. Hey. hey. You know what I wanted to ask you guys about since I'm here? I was listening to another podcast uh, and this came up and this is completely off the topic, but it Please. has to do with, I, I think it this. has to do with, I think it has to do with addiction. And um, I don't know if this has to do with 20 year old addicts, but they were, t- they were talking on this podcast about emotional molestation, which I had never thought about this before because I was not molested uh, as a kid. But then I was, they were describing what that is. And I was like, oh my God, I had that. Yeah. Which is when you feel sorry for a parent. That's how it was described to me. And all of a sudden I made this really intense connection to the fact that I always had a horrible time with intimacy, uh, either needed to only be pining. And if the person, the object of my affection liked me back, then I was done. I mean, very quickly. Like if I even made out with a guy the night before and then he called me the next day and was into it and like, hey, when can I see you again? It was like, oh, never mind. Don't like you anymore. Um, And I put it together because my father, my biological father was a mess, you know, drug addict and um, would have these conversations with me where he would say like you're my only friend oh yeah you know i don't have anybody but you whenever they say you're my little man you're you're, my little girl you're my only friend he would tell me you're You're all i have your wifey all i have and uh one time he got hit by a car that's uh, that's incest and And i would i would cry and tell my mom like you have to help me you have to go see him and this was like through my whole life because he would be in and out of my life to get you to do his bidding for him yeah he would always say you're well he always needed money or needed like but he would say you're you're all i have that's it Uh, nobody i have no friends except for you how old were you the whole time my parents got divorced when i was four and then even when i i cut him off when i was when i was an adult Good. With the help of therapy. But then I felt like if I don't help him, he's going to be homeless. Right, or die, which is the other fantasy they always play on, right? Well, well, okay, so one time when I was older, when I was already with my now husband, 
he called me and he said, I hadn't talked to him in like six years. I told him to stop calling me because he would get my phone number and then he would call me at work and he would be high and he would forget that he called me. So he would call me again 20 minutes later. Hey, Steph, just calling to say hi. What's shaking? When can I see you? And I would make these rules like I'm going to go to lunch with him, but once every two weeks and that's all I can do. And then he would always want more. Okay. Long story short, one day he called me and he said, I, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. He uh, he called and he said, uh, listen, I, I, I'm, things are really bad and I don't have any money and I can't pay my rent. And if I don't get some money, I think I'm going to off myself. So wow, I called that, him back. That is emotional. Right. But I, hadn't really, I honestly hadn't made the connection to growing up with that feeling of like I didn't want any men to be too much. I didn't want to feel responsible for anybody's feelings ever. So as soon as I would start dating somebody and they would like me too much or I would feel any sort of neediness You'd from them that. or weakness, I was done. And um, it was really, really hard to get over, but I'd never th- heard it talked about that way. And uh, Pia Melody talks about stuff like that. Who does? Pia Melody. Haven't I told you about her stuff before? No. She uh, writes a lot about love and sex addiction and things. And uh, just read her stuff. Some, even some of her... like. Stuff online, Pia Melody. But that's a thing, right? The uh, yeah. emotional mall. Is that like a it's, real thing? It's, yeah, it's incest. Yeah. It's a form of incest. Yeah. No one ever told me growing up that that was wrong. Like, you know, my mom wouldn't. So anything without boundaries. Anytime there are no boundaries, that is an assault on the child. Yeah, so I've always just been so scared of having to feel sorry for but somebody. Then look at the, the, what strikes me. You know, I, him coming at you and wanting you to do his bidding for you, but your mother not protecting you away from him. That's another Well, my mom had, of... her boundaries were too good. <laughs> my mom had the opposite Yours problem. You she had very them? serious boundaries. But you weren't, my it sounds was... like you weren't inside them. No. That's horrible. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Inside their The hearts. mother had a boundary to, yeah. to her child. Yeah. No emotional. Yeah. Right. No letting you in. And then in. the dad had no boundaries. It was he was right. flowing into her. So I right. bet you I bet you felt more connected to him than her. No, well, it's complicated. My mom got remarried like 6 months after the old one was out. <laughs> she she got she was moved in with a new one and he's they're still together. Uh but that became Was he relatively healthy, I hope? No. Oh, dear. very very unhealthy. Oof. Well, it's a miracle more, you're up and more walking. Yeah. Than, yeah. yeah. Look at Good that. For you. Figured it out. And all the therapy and stuff's worked? You know, not really. How Quitting not? drinking worked. Well, that's part of what got you to quit drinking, I imagine. No? Well, I didn't quit drinking until I was 42. Took what it took. Perfect age. Yeah. Good age, right? I don't Good know age. what to tell your tw- all your twenty-year-olds. I, I don't know. know they're, how, I don't they're know missing how. out on twenty-two years of drinking. I know. I can't imagine tell- <laughs> trying to tell a twenty-year-old that it's time to stop, even if it's, they're. How, it's really I mean, hard. how do they? How are they going to like? And, and a lot of them have stories, you know, a pain like you had to experience. That's the that's a painful story. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying I would never would have been interested in quitting at 20. That's right. You couldn't have told me. I don't think these guys are interested either. They just have parents that are interested in them quitting. And they I have know, an but they, you, you can't quit because your parents are interested in you quitting, right? That's his point. Right. So how do you? That means what do you do that with them? Mean, parents wanting ch- adult children to get sober meets criteria for admission into an inpatient treatment. Yeah. Center. That's right. <laughs> That's what drives Drew nuts. 
Yeah, but he's working on the parents now. That, that yeah, trying to coach them. So the parents, the key is for the parents to step away, to start slowly, and do allow what they can where to, they are, to just, bottom out. Yeah, just kind of not not black white, hundred percent zero. More like let's go back twenty percent. Let's just let them figure it out. Let's just you know slowly but surely starting to build that boundary, right? Rather than here's right. the boundary, go die. I just want to um, vote for another season of Celebrity Rehab. Me too. Well, let's. How how can I do my part in getting that going again? Uh, favorite show ever. Called a lot of people's favorite show ever. Irwin Entertainment. See if they can. I don't think VH1 would do it again. Somebody else will. You think? Oh, it's so much work. Well, if they do the celebrity uh, couples therapy, why won't they do? That's celebrity Irwin rehab? does that. I know yeah. they are. They do it, and and it's on VH1. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I, I think the reason... Everything old I, is new again, I, Drew. I, I will propose that the reason they do that is that the producers are allowed to do whatever they want with those subjects, and there's no expensive aftercare. Uh, our right, patients right. need a shit ton of aftercare. Right. I already uh, told them how to do it in a cost-effective way. A go it be shot at a rehab that gets all the promo for the rehab and the rehab continues idea. the aftercare for free as a part of How about Rocky Mountain uh, yeah, there Rehab? You Rocky Mountain Rehab. <laughs> you and I know. <laughs> yeah, the you're right? is, now you're thinking Bring like them. a podcaster. <laughs> but the problem is we would have to have we would have to have control over who staffed that because it's just not the average thing. And they won't put up with it. They won't, you, know, you have to chase them. You have to keep after them. That's our that's our codependency, though. Yeah, yeah. why do you if have you were, to? You gave them I, rehab because because why do you have to chase them for their aftercare? We work harder. We, came, we became, work harder than the patients, yeah. oftentimes. Well, you can't work yeah. harder than the patients, but you give them. But you're not not offering aftercare. If you do it, then you go. Here's the place yes. where you check in. No, that's Here's right. your counselor. It's true. Doors always the, open. You know, I, I don't think they do months and months of it. I just don't think they would. They they all insisted on outpatient. Well, some did some some sober living. It's very frustrating, very difficult. Well, but anyway, I'm willing to do it. They go to the sober it. house. I'm willing to do it. Right? You're with uh, your Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. What I hate, what I hate about the program though is, <laughs> whatever yeah. happened to Shelly? Where's Shelly? At PRC, she still works That's there. Recovery She's going to come up here. She's going to come on an episode soon, right, Susan? Um, Shelly fans here too. We're going to yeah. have it. She's the best. We're going to do it someday. Uh, but I know you're trying to get rid of me. No, no, we have to wrap it up. But, wrap it up. But um, I, I just can't stand being responsible for people's death who don't participate in treatment. They're going to die, if I, and I can't do anything about that. Right, and so every but, day, but I, you can't. But they got into th- they got every day. They, they got I have in the first to, place because of you. I have to look at a Twitter feed every day that compares me to Mengele and killing patients and being an active murderer. Every day I have to read that because stuff. you got them treatment. That's subsided now. No, you. I'll, I'll pull it up right Recently? now. Recently, it's every day. But you know how the internet is. I'm just saying. I'm tired of it. It's ti- It's tiring. It's it's it yeah. grinds you down. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'm looking at my Twitter feed. <laughs> Drew, stop. Oh, you're like you. Paris Jackson. Stop looking. Well, you could do rehab <laughs> without the celebrity factor. We you did that. The, I know. No one watched. So bring they, all ended, they all ended oh. up in prison. I watched and those it. Were, and those were very hard. We had, those were a lot of work, too. Those were, a lot of them ended up in prison. None of them have died, though. Oh. Yeah. And some are doing but, really well, too. Yeah, right? some are doing great. Yeah. But, um, but no, it'll be back. I, you know, I've been around long enough to see every band that broke up except for the Smiths get back together. Guns N' yeah. Roses is back yeah. together. I know. It's true. It's crazy. So Celebrity The Replacements. Rehab. We just went the to see The Replacements. Right. Uh, 
my husband and I. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And you, your relationship with your husband has been good and stable and very good. Yeah, yeah. In spite of everything. We've been together so good for, for you. going on therapy works, recovery six, 16 works. 16 years. That's the message. So you felt recovery was the most powerful piece of it though, huh? Well, no, I was with my husband. I only got sober seven years ago. So I, I, I was with him for quite a while before that. Yeah. But I think that's what helped me climb out of some of that. Um, it helps me parent. It helps me you can be see present. You can see things. Yeah, yeah. because I, I can uh, I apologize to my children. You know, it's about I make little amends. I'm able to do that without enmeshing so much because it's not all about me and my emotions and how I'm feeling all the time and am I stressed. It's about I, I'm able. It's about them because I'm I'm here. It's an important. Very you know, important. kids are here. That's sort of been the theory, the theme of tonight's show. I'm doing that's, waves. That's with the my important hand, piece. So where can people find you again? Give all the, the particulars. Um, I've I'm pretty much ready to give up on Twitter because I really have very few Twitter followers. Uh, but S Wilder Taylor. I'll tweet okay. a little. I'm on see. Facebook. Okay. I Facebook Facebook's a lot. Facebook's the way, Drew. And Facebook is for the us forty something moms. That's what we're all we're all about. Facebook. Calling out. Uh, I mean, uh, 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 for crying out for loud. Crying out loud. Yes, yes. please Calling listen to our, our podcast that and um, yeah. and your wife's podcast too. Listen Calling to that out, too. Yes, of and uh, <laughs> for crying out loud, is it, is it at its own website or at Corolla? It's at Corolla Digital. Okay, Corolla yeah, Digital. yeah, that's about it. All right, and. Uh, uh, be sure to uh, support this podcast as well. Click through at the Amazon Rocky banner. Mountain Rehab. Yeah, Rocky get Mountain yourself treatment. in there. Get some Rocky treatment. Mountain treatment. Well, first, drdrew.com and thislifepodcast.com. You can click through the Amazon banner, support the shows, support the people that support these things, including our friends at Rocky Mountain Rehab. You go ahead and talk about them. Well, I'm going to go up there and see them. It's yeah. my f- excuse to go to Montana. And I've spoken to them. They seem like the real deal, and they are definitely an absence. I'll check in. No BS program. Yeah, everybody, I know. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> the, other thing, the other thing about those guys that no, I, I like is I spoke to some of the non-physician people there, yeah. and a lot of them had sort of IDs and degrees of real Should be continuing degrees. on your education. That's right. All right, so anyway, uh, that does it. Stephanie Wilder-Taylor, okay. thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you guys. Really thank fun. you so much. so much. Very fun meeting you. Uh, Maybe well, come back when, when Shelly comes in. Oh, <gasps> I'd love it. I would love it. All right, we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. If I can just make it down to Memphis, all my troubles would go away. If I can get down to Memphis, maybe I'll be okay. They got a city that's just waiting to let me open up and bleed If I can get down to Memphis Well, they've got a place for me Cause that's where people go, you know When they've got nothing left to lose, yeah That's where you end up down there When you've got nothing better to do If I can just make it down to Memphis Maybe I could pull through, though if I can just make it down to Memphis, maybe I could pull through. Well, Elvis, hi Elvis, you never meant a fucking thing to me. If I can get down to Memphis, well, I'll be the king. They got a river, runs right through there, well, maybe I'll just take a swim. If I can get down to Memphis, I'll start all over again Cause that's where people go, you know When they've got nothing left to lose, yeah That's where you end up down there When you've got nothing better to do If I can just make it down to Memphis Maybe I can pull through, Lord. If I can just make it down to Memphis